sure, they make a lot of money. They've got incredible privileges. But the higher you go on the org chart, especially in a really big company, the more pressure you feel, like an insane amount of pressure. I'm going to share an example from a call we had just a couple of hours ago. Leadership is the ability to facilitate movement in others toward a destination you can describe. I'm Russ Hill. I help build leaders. And this is the Culture Hacks Podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Tap on the follow, plus, or subscribe button, and you'll get two new episodes each week. Thanks for listening to the Culture Hacks Podcast with Russ Hill. just see it in his face. We're having a meeting on Zoom, right? So it's a couple of my colleagues and I, we're on camera and then he logs in and he's on camera and you could just see the from the moment that he logged in in this meeting, just the weight of the decisions that he has to make, the intensity of the situation that he's facing. I want to share with you what it's like, a little bit of behind the scenes in this episode of what it's like to be at that level of a large company. Welcome in to the Culture Hacks Podcast. I'm Russ Hill. I make my living coaching and consulting senior executive teams of some of the world's biggest companies. You can find out more about our company at LoneRockConsulting.com. And if I'm going to be real honest with you, this is the first episode in, in a long time. And I've only done it like once or twice where I'm actually recording the episode on video as well. And I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like it at all. But um, with all of this content that we're creating and all, um, whether it's on LinkedIn or whether it's Instagram or TikTok or wherever it is, um, there's this need for a ton of content, a ton of video. And I got to be putting out a ton. And so one of the things that the experts... Um, tell me is, Rush, you need to make sure that anytime you're recording anything, you've got the camera on. And and so I'm doing it. But what I love about, what I've always loved about the podcast, those of you that are listening to this, I love the intimacy of it. I love the, I love that you can't see me. I love that I don't have to worry about being on camera. And if you, if you do a bunch of virtual meetings, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Be honest, man. The whole time you're on that Zoom meeting, you're looking at your own screen. Like, am I uh, centered? Is the lighting decent? Um, can they see me eating this lunch or picking my nose or my dog or whatever it might be, right? Or that plant in the background, or can they, can they see the mess off camera? You're looking at that. You're thinking about that. And we're judging. I mean, admit it, right? You're judging. We all are everyone else who's square we see, or whose box we see in that zoom or teams or WebEx meeting. And, and, and in fact, I had an experience not too long ago where, it's not a good one. And, um, but I'm just being a vulnerable and real here where I was in a meeting and with a client, and this was somebody down a couple of levels in the organization, somebody super talented, but not, not the senior executive. And in this call, so I'm, I'm kind of not paying full attention. If we're being honest, I'm not paying full attention, giving all of my, um, just really, um, fully present in this zoom meeting. And it was a planning session and, 
And the person who was from the organization, one of the people from the from the client organization actually complained to one of the senior executives and said, man, Russ didn't look engaged in this conversation. It, and and rightfully so. She should have been bothered because I was I didn't show up the way I needed to show up. I talked to her about it afterward and apologized for it. But that's the reality of when the camera is on. It's like, man, we can see if you're on your phone. We can see if you're typing an email. So I don't like <laughs> one of the things I love about an audio only podcast. I don't have to worry about that. And I can just focus entirely on the words coming out of my mouth rather than am I Am I centered on the camera? Am I looking into the camera? Am I using enough expression? Is my body language? But anyway, in this episode, I'm doing all that. So if it damages or impacts the audio, then I'm going to stop this. But um, that's the reality of uh, of what we're doing. And so I'm I'm not. My plan right now is not to publish, not to not to put out the entire episodes in video, I think that's boring. Like I wouldn't want to watch me staring into a camera talking for 15 minutes. That just doesn't do anything for me. So audio is different because you're on the move, right? You're at the gym or you're on a walk or you're racing to the airport or you're going through security or you're, um, I'm helping you fall asleep at night or whatever it might be. Most of you are, you're doing yard work. You're doing something. You're not just sit most of the time when you're listening to a podcast, an audio podcast like this, you're on the move. Well, can you imagine just like sitting there and I'm just a talking head? There's if there was production value or if I had guests on like a Joe Rogan or somebody else that you may watch a podcast recording. Well, that's a little bit more interesting. But even in that case, like who wants to watch a Joe Rogan or anybody, um, whether it's Tim Ferriss or whoever your favorite podcaster is, I don't want to watch the video of them talking for an hour or 30 minutes or an hour and a half like that's that's insanely boring but may, maybe I'm maybe I'm mistaken anyway that's what's going on behind the scenes uh, too much information but I'm always candid about it okay I want to share with you an experience that I had just a couple of hours ago a uh, it was a meeting a zoom call with the senior executive of a very large organization and I can't give any more details than that uh, than uh, other than to say um, he has tens of thousands of people underneath him, like on the org chart, right? That report up into him. And and he's involved in leading a turnaround. And 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 so the performance isn't where it needs to be. And he was hired, he was brought in, this executive, to help turn things around. And the further he gets into this, the more he realizes, oh my gosh, this is a mess. Like there are layers and layers and layers of complexity to try to turn this ship and it's not happening super fast. And so he's feeling pressure from investors and shareholders and the board and his boss. And it's, you could just see it in this zoom call from the moment that he logged in, you could just see the weight that is on his shoulders and as we got into it, we're starting to talk. This is somebody we've had a relationship with for quite some time. And, and as we get into the conversation, he's talking about the long-term focus that he's trying to have. You know, I'm trying to set this organization up for long-term success. And so I, and, and he's trying to balance that with the short-term performance needs. So in other words, you know, the board investors are saying we need more margins. We need bigger margins like right now, like this quarter, like this month. Well, the only way he can really do that is to cut costs, right? And as he cut costs, well, what does that do? 
that screws with the long-term approach because now you're affecting employee morale or engagement or retention. You might be affecting um, production quality. You might be affecting on-time delivery, might be affecting all these things, right? And so this is, this. what I'm describing is not unique to this executive. And what I want all of you, some of you who are listening are senior executives and this is your world, right? You're like, uh, what's unique about him? Like, that's what I live with. Okay. But for the rest of us who are listening, whether you work in a large organization and you're a director or mid-level manager or frontline supervisor or an individual contributor, or if you're working in a smaller company, there's 10 people or 20 or 100 people at your company. I'm trying to give you a glimpse of what it's like that it's not all big bonuses, great parking spots, sporting uh, tickets, big expense accounts, all of that. Yet there are perks certainly that come with a senior executive position inside a very large organization. And why is that? Because these people are under intense pressure. What they're up against, the decisions they're having to make, the repercussions of that, the impact of it is enormous. That's why they are, they have some of those perks. And now I'm not saying that in every situation that all that's justified, right? We certainly, in my opinion, we certainly need to take a look at this divide between the people doing, you know, the day-to-day work and some of these senior executive compensation packages in some organizations where, man, you can fail, you can not deliver, and you still can buy the yacht. You know what I mean? Like that kind of messed up. And, and so I, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about, I'm not justifying or speaking to that. I am speaking to the fact that, of course, we should be paying senior executives more. Of course, we should be giving them expense accounts. Of course, we should be doing a lot of these things because they live or die professionally by the decisions that they make. And they affect thousands of people in many cases, right, in these large organizations. And I think sometimes we lose track of that. And so we were, we were on this Zoom call for an hour with this executive and just the entire hour. And I'm sitting here as part of our team trying to build him up, trying to give him perspective, trying to reinforce what he's doing, trying to help him look long-term and not give in too much to the short-term pressures. And yet you can see it in his eyes. You can hear it in his voice. You can just feel it, right? Uh, Just coming from his core that he may not survive. He doesn't know how much longer he has. I remember this, you all. And I write about it in my first book, Decide to Lead. I write, in fact, the experience is just ingrained in my mind when I'm leading this turnaround, much smaller scale than what I'm describing that this senior executive is going through. But I'm leading this turnaround in the media company that I'm working for at the time. And I'm about a year, maybe a year and a half into this project. And the leading indicators aren't where they need to be yet. They aren't where I want them to be, and they're not where the company wants them to be. And so one of our senior executives at the company, this national broadcast company, is in town. And he's doing what we call a market visit. So he's spending a day or two on site with the team, and then he's going to dinner with the leadership team. So I'm at a dinner appointment. I'm at a dinner engagement with the management, the leadership team in this particular market. And he asked me, this senior executive who's visiting our market, asked me if I 
We'll give him a ride back to his hotel. And I said, sure, absolutely. Okay, yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to. So dinner ends. We get in the car and we drive. This is in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're driving from this very nice restaurant back to the hotel where he's staying at. And we get pretty close to the hotel where he's staying. And he asked me to pull over. Hey, Russ, will you just, will you just pull over on the side of the road here and, uh, and let us have a conversation for a minute? I'm not, I, I, I have a little bit more I want to talk about before you drop me off. And we're, I can see the hotel. We're close to it. So I pull over. And he, this is what he says to me. Again, I write about this and decide to lead my first book. He says, Russ, um, I want you to know that we're big fans of yours that we, um, we really want you to be successful. And, and I need you to know that we only have so much patience. And so I hope the plan that you've come up with, I hope the plan that you're executing, I hope that your plan works because I like you and I want you to succeed. Okay. You can go ahead and, um, um, put the car back in drive and take me to my hotel. And I'm sitting there thinking, Oh, there were no plural pronouns in any sentence he used, you know, well, except for we hope you, we hope your plan, the plan you came up with Russ, he put total ownership of the plan that I was executing on who me was not the company's plan. Wasn't his plan yet. I had created it with his approval. He was involved in the process. But what I realized in that moment, it was a very powerful moment to me where it is, you know what, when things are tough, what do they say? Success has a thousand fathers and failure is an orphan. It's totally true. I've experienced that. Have you experienced that in your career? Success has a thousand fathers. Everyone wants to say, oh, I was involved in that. Oh, I had a role in that. Oh, I'm the reason that happened. Or, oh, I mean, that we all want to, we all want a part of it. But when things aren't going exactly how we wanted them to. Well, failure is an orphan. Oh yeah. We told him he should consider some things he didn't do. We told him that what we weren't sure that plan would work. Well, what are you talking about? It was as much your plan as it was my plan. No, that's not the way things work in the business world. And I realized that in a moment. So I dropped him off at the hotel and then I had like a 30 minute ride back to our house in the suburbs of Phoenix. And the whole way I thought, oh my gosh, this is a lonely place to be. And he made it clear that it's all on me. And so I started to second guess my plan. Like, did I, do I have the right plan? Am I executing on the right things? Do I think I can achieve success? Am I going to lose my job? How long is he going to give me? What's the run runway look like for this? And then over the next day or two, I thought, no, I've got the right plan. I've got confidence in it. And nothing is sure. Nothing is guaranteed, but I'm going to keep executing with confidence while maintaining curiosity and humility around, okay, well, maybe there's something that I'm missing here, but I'm going to, I'm going to have peace, inner peace. We talked about that with this executive that we coach in our call today. I talked to him for a few minutes at the end of the call about, um, I can't use his name, but, um, I, I said to him, you, you need to just have inner peace that you've got the right plan, make an adjustment to it if you need to and ask the board, ask the other executives, ask whomever is involved. Is there something I'm missing? Is there something you think I should be doing that I'm not doing? 
because this is the plan and I'm working on long-term sustainability for this business long. I want to set it up for long-term success while at the same time helping achieve short-term success, but I'm not going to make crazy decisions in order to meet this quarter's numbers, but sacrifice two or three years from now, or even a year from now, and then just have inner peace. And what happens happens and you can't control it. There's no reason to stress about it. So just think about the plan you have, ask for feedback, and then go execute. That's all you can do and have inner peace, sleep peacefully at night, that you're doing what you need to do. You're executing on it. And the, what, and the rest is the rest. And that's what I ended up doing in that situation with that senior executive who I had that conversation in the car with, I ended up saying, okay, um, well, I didn't say to him, but I thought in the next day or two, I've got the right plan. I'm going to go execute. The beautiful thing about it was it was just a few weeks or months later after that car conversation where things started to turn and performance was off the charts. And we turned that ship and it achieved remarkable success. And you know what? Everybody wanted a piece of it. Everybody, I mean, success has a thousand fathers. And was there any trophy given to me? Did that executive come back to town and say, hey, Russ, you nailed it. You crushed it. Unbelievable. Nope. It never happened. He moved on to the next project and just kept going. So my, my sense of success and achievement and gratification and pride and what we had done as a team all had to come from inside me. Does that make sense? And the same is true for this executive who we had a call with today. So I just wanted to share that with you. So if you're feeling the weight, if you're feeling the pressure of having to deliver and you've got people who are second guessing you or who you just feel like, oh my gosh, I hope this works. You just need to ha- just make sure you've got the right plan. You can't be guaranteed, but think it through. Make sure you're looking at the data. Make sure you've thoroughly talked to as many people as you can and, and then go execute on it. And what happens, happens. What happens in the market? What happens with certain customers? What happens with your boss or other executives or shareholders or the board or whomever it is, depending on the situation you're in, it's just going to happen. But try to sleep peacefully tonight and tomorrow night knowing, no, I've, I've put a lot of thought into this. I've considered all the options, as many as I'm aware of, and we're working towards success and I'm going to stay committed to it. What we don't want in a leader is somebody who's just absolutely um, blown to and fro by the winds of today and who, who gives in to pressure and who just melts when the heat is turned on. Okay. So that's what I've got for you. That's what's on my mind after that call earlier today. I hope that's helpful to somebody out there who's listening. I'll just tell you again, the pressure that these senior executives feel in these largest companies in the world, it is intense. It is unbelievably strong. The oven that they are in is a hot one. And uh, man, did we see that today in our call. Hope that's helpful. By the way, the journey, you've heard it before, the journey is the reward, right? the learning that comes from this, the experience that you gain, the insight, the wisdom that's unlocked. And hopefully there's some compensation (laughs) in there as well somewhere. 
That's what's on my mind. Hope that's helpful to somebody out there listening. And I'll talk to you in the next episode of the Culture Hacks podcast. Who do you know that could benefit from listening to this episode? Tap on the share button and text the link to a friend or colleague or write a post on LinkedIn and tag Russ. Thanks for listening to the Culture Hacks podcast with Russ Hill.